Madison's Alternative 106.7 The Resistance. This week on the Disruptor Series, I am joined by Eric from Black Pistol Fire. How are you? Hello, hello. I'm doing quite well today, actually. Thank you. How's your day? You know, it's pretty good. Yeah? What, what did you have for breakfast? What, 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 what did you start <laughs> the day with? An omelet and toast. Oh, nice. What do you, what do you put in that omelet? Just cheese. Just cheese. Keep it simple. Yeah. What about no. you? Today was a cereal day. Uh, there's this, uh, it's a cashew cereal, so it's supposed to be healthy, but it doesn't taste like it is. <laughs> it's uh, the peanut butter crunch one, so it kind of tastes like Reese peanut butter puffs, but in my mind, it's not as bad for me because it's <laughs> organic and like has granola in it and everything. Um, so that was delicious. And then some curry for lunch, some red curry, some Thai curry for lunch. Any meat in the curry? There was some chicken. I do a couple days a week vegetarian, but I, I still eat. That is pretty healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I try. <laughs> I try. Do what I can. We already discussed breakfast. So now on to yeah. the music. <laughs> Absolutely. As the wind chimes, hopefully don't deafen the, the, the listeners. No, oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. Okay. Look Alive is the name of your new single and the name of the album that came out in January. A big one for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's a... Uh, Number six, believe it or not. And uh, yeah, it's exciting. A long time coming. It was actually kind of done a while ago. But given the current scenario that everyone in this world is in, obviously things, have, things were confusing last year. And, and here we are, but here we are now. It's great stuff. Are you in Texas or did you head back to Canada to quarantine? No, I've been in, we've, we've both been in Austin, the Austin area this whole time. I'm in Austin proper. He's a little bit outside the city. So you guys are in Texas by way of Toronto. Yes. Uh, can you tell us how you guys formed the band so long ago? So we were grown up together. We were, we've known each other since kindergarten. And then in high school, we were in a couple, you know, we played, we played in a band that was mainly covers, some cool covers, some not so cool covers <laughs> uh, that I will not speak of. But uh, it, was, it was a lot of Weezer and a lot of Oasis and Beatles and a couple Nirvana songs. But there was some stuff in there that I will not speak of though so bad. But uh, then we started playing more original music as things kind of went on. And then that band, you know, released an album that was okay. It wasn't great. Now I look back on it, but it was, it was okay for the time. And then he and I just eventually started doing things kind of on our own. And then both separately actually moved down here just to kind of try it out and do something different. And then, made an album in Detroit of all places and people started to like it. So it became more of a permanent thing. And then fast forward, you know, several years later, we, this is, this is where we are and we tour the world and have fun doing it. After being so close for so long, have you guys ever had like a major blowout? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely do. You definitely, yeah. Remember you're spending so much time with one person um, but we know, we know each, like, I mean, we know each other. I know him more than I know, you know, anyone else in this world, pretty much. I, I think he probably feels the same about me. So I think we've definitely gotten really good at kind of, uh, you know, knowing when to, knowing how to react to certain situations and just, you know, uh, being open and honest communication is always the best. Knowing when to back down. I don't know even about backing down, but just like, you know, saying, saying what you feel and, and doing it with love and honesty and all that stuff. Where did the band name come from? So that's Kevin. He was watching a documentary about firefighting where there's forest fire. I think it's forest fires fighting specifically 
where the term for an uncontrollable fire is a black fire. This is what he told me. I haven't, I still haven't to this, to this day researched it. But this is what he told me. <laughs> Uh, and this is the story we've been saying for years. That's the term. So we were, we were like, okay, black fire is cool. We were literally coming up with names and like writing them on pieces of paper. And there's four or five. And then it was like, well, black fire is not good. It's got to be black fire or something. And then we saw black, you know, we we're putting another word there, black fire, I don't know, tire, black fire, uh, wheel, just random words. And then pistol came in there. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then so we were thinking about black fire pistol. And then well, what about switching up black pistol fire? That kind of sounded better. It had a better ring to it. And then we um, immediately called two of our close friends, a guy who actually still to this day does every piece of our artwork. He's done everything we've ever done, all of our design, our friend Kyle Furchening. Uh, we asked him and our friend Michael Rocha, like, which one's better? And they both immediately read Black Pistol Fire. It's so much better. So here, and now here we are. Why do you only have two people in your band? I think it just started that way. And it was a lot easier in the beginning to just... From, from two different, from a lot of aspects, actually. It's, it's harder in a lot of ways. But um, the easier way is initially, a lot of our earlier shows were very improvised, very improvised. So sometimes that wouldn't be good, but a lot of times there was some real magic that happened. And when you're improvising and just making stuff up on the fly, it's a lot easier to do when you're just watching one person as opposed to two or three and there's key changes and everything. So that kind of worked out nicely. And then we figured out a way early on when, we, when it was literally just get, you know, guitar, one pedal and drums to make it work with dynamics, you know, loud, quiet, loud, soft, uh, take this part out and like doing shots. And then that evolved over time and different elements have gotten added. And then, uh, I don't know, I think it'd be hard to throw someone into the dynamic that we have, you know, and then there's also, there's also the money side too, right? I think it's, uh, you make more money when there's two people. And you're not alone. We've heard a lot of comparisons to Black Keys, Royal Blood, um, other bands like the Blue Stones, Death from Above, 1979. Love Death from Above. They all have the, the same kind of high energy. Well, I saw you guys at a showcase in Kentucky a few years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, that one. And I made a note that your show is rowdy, mm-hmm. surprisingly noisy for two people. Yeah, there's... Uh... Yeah, Kevin has, a, he has quite the guitar tone. It's pretty monstrous. And then uh, it's huge. And then I hit the drums kind of hard. And then I also play the, I play the bass synth while I'm playing the drums. So, yeah. How much has the energy of your live shows mm-hmm. been impacted by your music or vice versa? It's interesting because the, the live show is a lot more unhinged than the, than the records. The records, you know, we're still trying to have energy. And you still want it to be like, you know, powerful songs. Um, and there's still an energy in the studio when you play, but it's not the same when you're live. I mean, every song's going to be obviously a little faster just because there's the adrenaline kicked in. But I think it speaks to the quality of the songs that were able to be so energetic live. Like I really, I feel the music and I feel so good. It just, it just makes me want to hit the drums as hard as I can. And, and you know, want to vomit after every show because I've played so hard. <laughs> That's, that's not a lie. After every show, I think we both feel kind of sick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Does that mean that you have to do your meet and greets and everything before the show? We typically, we've never done a meet and greets. For me, I would never want, this is just me. I love meeting fans. If I just random, like if I see a fan or like fans come up and say, hey, I love talking to fans. It's great. I would feel very strange charging someone to like form a line and say, hey, now is your time to meet me. I would just feel weird 
you know, and we, so we've never, we've never done that. We've done, you know, we've done signings and things like that. And it's, it's great at, at festivals. And again, meeting fans is awesome. It's just having that formality of, I don't know, we're just people like now is your time. Now is your 30 seconds with me. Uh, yeah. It would feel, feel weird. So more likely to find you at the merch table than. Yeah. I'll go to the merch table or just even the bar afterwards or outside just hanging. Yeah. Come, come up and say before the show, you know, I usually go, I personally usually go watch the opening bands for, couple minutes usually earlier in their set so people are there early might be kicking around we've heard from some bands who be in seclusion and practice and warm up for like an hour and a half before a show do you have any warm-up rituals or is oh yeah kind no. of it? so yeah i definitely need oh kevin definitely wants solitude and he uh you know he's got to do a lot of vocal warm-ups and things like that me personally what i do is i, I kind of like to be for at least i like an hour before the show, just like half an hour of just stillness, just being really quiet and still. And it's kind of like listening to music or talking uh, or just being, again, being very quiet and kind of mellow and not trying to think about the show. And then for the half an hour, then there's the half an hour before. And then I, I personally usually do a bunch of, do about 10 minutes of stretching, some like mild yoga. And then the 15 minutes or show before, I basically put headphones in and just pace back and forth in the hallway with my drumsticks in my hand like a lunatic. People are probably like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? I just pace back and forth. And it's just this nervous energy that I get amped up, but then I also kind of can't contain it. It's good and bad in a lot of ways. <laughs> but that's what I do. Yeah, I listen to kind of some faster, more kind of garage punk kind of songs. A lot of the OCs and uh, maybe Misfits, things like that. I'll listen to some Death and Above too, Nirvana, just stuff that gets me amped up. I just kind of pace back and forth and with drumsticks in hand and occasionally just kind of punch the air, I guess. I make sure there's no one around. You don't accidentally spear somebody with one of your drumsticks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I try to make sure there's, because if people see me, they're like, what's wrong with this guy? He is, he's insane. He's got, a, he's got a bit of a problem. So I try to do that in private if I can. I'm usually in the corridors doing that. So once you step on stage, does that energy change or is it after the first song or after the intro or, or when does that energy shift? There's that kind of anxious the whole time. Yeah. So there's that moment. Um, there's a band called King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. I don't know if you ever heard of them. King Giz. They released a tour documentary. It was like a weird concert film. It was very artistic. And sometimes, sometimes it's really rad. Sometimes it's kind of strange. But um, it showed them, they did this early in the pandemic, this maybe May or so, and I watched it. And they're at Alexander Palace in London, which is a big 10,000 capacity, huge room. It's big and they sold it out. It's, the clip is them all backstage. The lights have gone out and their you know, intro music or whatever is playing. And it's just them kind of pacing nervously and kind of, you know, just like a little tweaks and everything. And I just, that feeling just, uh, it just resonated with me so much because when the lights go out you hear that crowd and it's just this, this nerve it's just a combination of absolute fear and absolute adrenaline you know it's it's this crazy balance of, of both where you're terrified but also so amped up uh and then going on stage and once that first song is very nervous all, always even if it's a song you played a million times no matter what because again our, our show is kind of violent if you will like the way we police play our instruments so things guitars get unplugged my synth gets knocked out or something so as long as as long as by the end of the first long song things are still in place <laughs> by the second by the time the second song kicks in it's okay feeling good but still just energetic and if the crowd's really good to that then it can take it to an even higher level would it make you more nervous to play in front of a really small crowd 
Hmm. We're a really huge crowd. I think it doesn't matter on the size as much as it does, not type of crowd, but the energy. So we pl- I played the 200 people in a packed room that are, are excited. That's amazing. Now, if it's 200 people in a room that are like, sitting down and not paying attention, uh, or sorry, like, if it's 50 people in a room that are, you know, we've done that year, you know, years ago. You play <laughs> before things kind of picked up. You play in like a back patio of a pizza restaurant. There's 50 people eating their dinner and having a beer. That's awful, <laughs> you know? And so, eventually some people are, you know, the show's crazy. So people eventually start paying it like, what's going on on stage? These guys are jumping around like lunatics. I'm eating my pizza. So yeah, I think it just depends on the, it, uh, I would rather play to any crowd as long as they're standing up. A seated crowd is tough, no matter what. So it's strange when you go into a theater uh, show or even an arena and there's, you know, thousands of people if you're the opening act and then for the opening act, almost no matter what people are going to be seated, no matter how, like almost always, not everyone, maybe by the end they'll stand up. But um, yeah. So just as long as they're standing, that's my answer. I don't know if I answered the question. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the pizza place. What would you put on your pizza? What are your favorite toppings? Oh man. There was this, uh, so there's a movie theater chain. I don't know if they have one in Madison. It's called the Alamo draft house. Have you ever heard of it? No. So it started in Austin. It's kind of like an art, it's an art house movie chain that has really good food as well that you that you order throughout the movies put up like a little card and you can get drinks and everything but they had this roasted mushroom pizza that was in still to this date i love new york pizza and chicago pizza and everything but still to this date that it was roast it was simple roasted mushrooms i think mozzarella parmesan and a balsamic glaze it was great yeah it was insane but i'm I'm also good just a straight new york pepperoni slice i'm fine with that too I love mushrooms on my pizza, but I know oh. many people who do. Oh, <laughs> my husband a, hates it. If I ever order, if when I, when I do order just like a pizza pie to the house, like a delivery pie, uh, it's usually, it's actually usually pepperoni and mushroom. I like them. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I made a mushroom risotto last night for mm, dinner. Risottos are really good. They can be really complicated though. It's all, once you, I've been doing it for a long time. So once you learn the method, it's, it's, it's easy. But once you get, and you have to pay attention, you can't walk away at all. That's the big thing. You have to be there for 30 minutes straight, constantly looking at the stove. So once you get the method down, it's, it's doable. Do you prefer a risotto over like an orzo? Yes, definitely. Or a couscous? I like couscous too. I, I make couscous on a backcountry camping trips that we, that my girlfriend and I take. It's really easy. Just boil some water and I get like a, I've already roasted chicken and brought that with me and having the cold back. Cause it's, it's back country. So you can't bring a big cooler. Right. So you just yeah. have to like kind of really pack things in tight and then just crush up a bunch of cashews, coconut and uh, currants and just have that in with the chicken and then just make, throw the boiling water in the couscous and throw it all in there. And it warms up. And it's just a nice little camping meal. Nice. That's a really fancy camping meal. <laughs> yes, but it's so simple. It's yeah. <laughs> I love how you guys posted an image of liner notes on your social media. Yeah. And you said that in the digital age, people behind the scenes can get overlooked. For sure. Whose idea was that? That was Kevin's idea. I think especially because a lot, yeah, a lot of people were very realistic. Yeah, we print vinyl and I guess CDs and, you know, our vinyl sells well, but how many, it's, you know, maybe a couple, maybe a couple thousand people have the vinyl maybe versus, you know, the hundreds of thousands that listen on Spotify or, you know, Apple music or whatever. So it's just good to give, you know, get, get some of those people some credit, give them credit where credit is due. You guys have also over the last month or so been posting basically what certain songs are about. Yes. 
So you guys aren't one of those bands that's like, we're not going to say it's secret, figure it out yourselves. But you guys also kind of leave this like, you get to fill in the blanks. You get to see yeah. how it fits into your life. Absolutely. I think that's, so I will say that's Kevin. That's his lyrics. But I think it's, I, for me and the artists I like, I always like to, it's cool to know some of the inspiration behind mm-hmm. a song, but I don't want to know what every line means. Like, oh, that line is about how Trent Reznor he was in this place and then, you know, I don't know, he got into a car accident. It's, that line is about the being at the hospital. I don't want to know all those things because it, it takes away some of the, the romance of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's just me. So it's good to know the inspiration. Like, oh, okay, I, under, I understand what he was thinking when he wrote that. But yeah, not every... It's going to have some mystery, which there's, there's less mystery these days with social media. Kind of like to go back to a little more mystery. <laughs> so if you're giving Kevin most of the props for that, Oh, yeah. Or have any say in the lyrical content? I think one time I said, hey, man, you should put a the in front of that word. <laughs> that was the extent of it. That, that's, that's all. Maybe a the or maybe like an and. You know? <laughs> but, but no. That's all him. Who is your favorite band to tour with? Uh, that we have toured with or that we'd like to tour with? Both. Uh, both. Uh, two bands. So we do like, the, we've toured with Gary Clark Jr. and his crew quite a bit. And they're all... Really, really great dudes. Good, solid crew guys. And then a uh, band that's open for us a bunch of times, our girls, Thunder Pussy. They're uh, great girls at Tour we, we really like them. They're uh, really, yeah, good buds of ours. They're awesome. And they rip, and they rip every night. Awesome. Yeah. What is your favorite thing about Austin? What keeps you there? There's a lot of the thing. There's not, there's not just one big thing. Well, my girlfriend and my dog and my cats and everything. Yeah, my, my family that's here. Um, but I think, yeah, the people, the community, it's really good here. Not to say, I mean, we have, I still have, when I go home to Toronto, there's still like 30 people I have to see every time I go. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. But no, there's a great community here. I think it's really special. And um, there's a lot of little things, you know, like I went pre-pandemic, there's just so much good music here and so much good music comes here um, all the time. The food is, a, the food scene here is crazy. And just the natural, I like the fact that it's, it's a city that's definitely growing and it's maybe one day going to be a big city. But coming from Toronto, which is a big city, uh, to here it feels small. So kind of like for me, that's just my experience. Like it, it's smaller than Toronto, even though for a lot of people it's huge now and it is growing. I think there's kind of to people from the outside, mm-hmm. a hipster connotation oh, sure. to Austin that oh, yeah. could also easily translate to Toronto or at least parts of Toronto. For sure. Definitely in Toronto. The uh, I'm sure Madison has that too, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, Toronto, Toronto's definitely certain areas and kind of Austin too. Uh, Austin has that more of that, I guess, reputation as a whole, but Toronto definitely has tons of, I mean, a lot of, if you think like the bigger kind of hipstery bands are like broken social scene and metric and uh, kind of those bands are all out of Toronto. So yeah, the annex in Toronto and Parkdale and places like that, which is actually not where we grew up on the other side of Toronto, which is now actually becoming the hipster side is the East side is now kind of becoming hip. <laughs> It must be because you guys left. Yeah, we yeah we us leaving made it infinitely cooler. That's what. <laughs> I, we, the two of us were holding back the 1.5 million people that were living there. <laughs> they were like, no, we have to honor them somehow. Let's yeah. be cooler. Yeah, let's be cooler. <laughs> but no, it's funny when we go back to like the the amount of love we get back when we go to Toronto. As a, number one, uh, obviously, personally and individually, is, is amazing. But as a band, I mean. People didn't really care that much in the beginning, but now, I mean, the embrace in Toronto um, is incredible. That's awesome. 
Do you have anything else you'd like me to touch on before we check out your song? Uh, no, I just hope uh, people are staying safe and healthy and feeling love and, and we'll, we'll get back to it soon. I think, I think there's stay safe, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. Just be patient and hopefully we get back to, you know, fun times in the future. Thank you, Eric. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs>